the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says that the earth was formless and God's spirit hovered over the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. You see, when I read that, it blows my mind. When I look at that, if you think about it, God invented light. He didn't see it on holiday in Spain and go, that'd be brilliant back on earth. Like, he invented light, which means when we look at the Bible, you realize that God created the heavens and the earth in the dark. That's incredible. God went, uh, let there be light. Boom, brilliant, I love it. That's amazing. And God created for six days. He carried on creating. He created all sorts of incredible stuff. And on the sixth day, God created Adam and Eve. God created humans. And he breathed his breath into us. And he created a garden for Adam and Eve to live in. Now, the location of this garden is quite a... It's discussed by a lot of clever theologians, a lot of historians. Um, and I've trimmed it down to, uh, to two lines. If we can have the map up on screen, that would be brilliant. Um, and the map... So, theologians reckon that the Garden of Eden, where God's original creation lived, was in between these two lines. Okay, so, so you've got Turkey here, um, and you've got kind of modern-day Iran and Iraq around here, and it was somewhere in between these two lines. These two rivers are quoted in Genesis. So we read from the Bible, we hear from theologians that the, the original Garden of Eden was somewhere in between those two lines. And the Bible says that God created and planted a garden in the east, and he put in there the man that he had formed. Now, in the center of the garden, God put a tree. Now, this tree uh, was known as the tree of life. Now, I couldn't get hold of a tree of life. <laughs> but we are closer to next Christmas than we are to last Christmas. So feel it only right to put into your minds that it might be worth starting to Christmas shop already. <laughs> but God put in the, in the garden the tree of life. And he said to Adam and Eve, now, you do what you want in the garden. There's only one rule. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of life. I nearly said Christmas tree then. That would have been bad. Um, and he said, he said, you can do what you want. Have fun. Let's, let's have fun together in the garden. But don't eat any of the fruit of what is on this tree. So what happens is, is, is that Eve uh, meets an evil snake, kind of like the evil snake that we met over here. Uh, and the snake tempts Eve to eat some of the fruit, and she does. And Adam comes along, and he's like, Eve, what have you done? God told you not to. What, can I have some? Yeah, great. And Adam totally gives in, and they both eat and disobey what God had told them to do. Now they get ashamed, they get embarrassed, and they begin to hide from God. And God comes and he, and he realizes that they have eaten of the tree that he told them not to. And God gets angry and God is disappointed. And it says this in Genesis 3. He says, after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. God kicked them out of the garden 
and the Bible says that it was on the east side. Now, I did a little research. I downloaded a compass app on my phone, and I found out that this way is east. Okay, so God kicked Adam and Eve, if we imagine the stage as the garden, God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden on the east side, and he brought in all sorts of punishments. He said that man would have to toil the ground to get, to get food from it, and, and he said that, that for women, childbirth would be painful. We've all got Eve to thank for that one. And what happens is, is Adam and Eve are gutted, they're devastated, but they begin to go on with life. And what happens is, is they, they have uh, two kids. They have Cain and Abel. Now, Cain and Abel are like two typical brothers. They don't get on. They fight a lot. Now, I'm looking for two typical brothers, and I've asked them to come and help me. So can I have Adam and Matthew Hall, please? Now, Adam and Matthew, you are two brothers, is that right? No. Already they're causing trouble. And you're, you're Matthew, aren't you? Yes. And you're the younger one? Yes. And is, is Adam a good brother? Yes. Oh, Adam, do you think Matthew's a good brother? A bit. A bit. Oh, they're already fighting. The fight has already started. I'm going to stand in the middle. So... Cain is the older brother. Let's go forward a little bit. Uh, Cain is the older brother. So Adam, who is the older brother, is going to represent Cain. And Matthew, who's the younger brother. You don't need to be on your knees. You can stand up if you want. And he is the younger brother, so he's going to represent Abel. Now what happens is that Cain and Abel, they don't get on. They fight a lot. And eventually what happens is Cain gets so jealous of Abel is that Cain decides to kill Abel. So, Adam, Matthew, how are your acting skills? Great. Great. I've got, I had a shake of the head then from their dad saying, don't let them kill each other. <laughs> so, we, we're going to pretend that Adam has killed you, Matthew, as Abel. I want you to give us your best Hollywood death. Go. That was pretty good, ladies and gentlemen. That was pretty impressive. You can, you can lie on the floor. You're dead. Oh, he's done it again. And the Bible says that when God sees that Cain has murdered Abel, Cain again tries to hide from God. And God says, what have you done? He says that your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, I'm not allowed to put blood on the floor, so I've got a box and I've got some tomato sauce. I'm not going to spray you with tomato sauce, Matthew. That's going to cause a bit of trouble. Adam, would you like to spray some tomato sauce into that box for us? That is wonderful. Thank you very much. You can dip your finger in it if you like. Oh, wow. So, Abel has been killed and Cain, God is angry with Cain. And what happens is, is God brings some punishments in to Cain. but He wants him to stick around. But, but Cain can't handle it. And the Bible says this on the screen. It says, so Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod. I quite like the sound of that land. Do you know what I mean? This afternoon, I might be entering the land of Nod for a couple of hours. And it says east of Eden. So Adam, we're going to go further east. So Cain moves out, he settles in the land of Nod, east of Eden, and he went on to build a city. Now when I, when I think about that, when I think about Cain building a city, that says to me that he's happy, 
that he is happy to settle away from God's original plan. He's moved east of what God originally planned, but Cain, also known as Adam, is, gonna, is so happy that he's going to build a city, and he's going to invite others to come and live with him. Adam, you can take a seat there for me. That would be brilliant. And the Bible talks about man keep, keeps moving east and east. Cain moved east and built a city, and we keep hearing what how man has moved east from God's original plan. And in Genesis 11, we hear that God has moved, sorry, man has moved even further east. Now, is there anybody that is in construction or is a builder? Go on, someone stitched. Would anybody like to be a builder? I I need, yes, there was a hand straight up. I need another two volunteers to help me. Yes, you and Dylan, come on. Okay, so the Bible says in Genesis 11, as people moved eastward, They found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And what I'd like you boys to do is I'd like you to build a tower as tall as you can, okay? If it falls over, just get out the way because I'm not insured, okay? So if you get hurt, we might be in a bit of trouble. So what the Bible says is that man moved eastward. They found a plain and they settled there and they built what's called the Tower of Babel. And this tower, they literally looked around at each other and said... Let's build a tower so that everybody will know how good we are. See, man has got so far away from God's original plan. They've moved east and east and east that they've got to a point where they say, let's build a tower so that people know how good we are. That's how far man got away in the opening chapters away from God's original plan. But somewhere in between Cain and the Tower of Babel, there's a very important story. And it is a story about a man named Noah. Let me tell you about Noah. Now, Noah was a God-fearing man. He uh, knew and loved God. But the problem was is that everybody around him didn't. I'm going to switch back from this mic to this mic because it's going to be easier. Okay, so Noah was a God-fearing man, but everyone around him wasn't. God looked at what he created, the humans that he created, and he wasn't happy. He was disappointed. It says this in Genesis 6, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thought of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I had made them. God was so disappointed with with humans that we'd moved so east that God said, I'm going to wipe everyone away. I regret ever making human beings. But there was Noah. God saw that Noah loved God, and God saw that Noah was a good man. So God said to Noah, Noah, what I want you to do is build a boat. And in that boat, I want you to put two of every animal in that boat. And with you, I am going to save you, but I'm going to wipe away everybody else. I'm going to start again. So God got Noah to build a boat. It was known as the Ark. Um, Now, I haven't quite got an Ark, um, but I have got a boat. (laughs) I'd like you to know I built it myself, also known as blowing it up myself. And what happened is, is that Noah began to build his ark. And his ark was ready, and he put two of every animal into the ark. Now, some of the children 
should have some animals with them. So if you've got an animal with you, I would like you to come and put your animal into the ark because they are going to be saved from being wiped away. So we've got a little cat coming here. We've got a yellow teddy bear. We've got a monkey. Just drop them in, chuck them in. I feel like we might be overloading the boat already. We've got a hippopotamus, a teddy bear with shorts on, an octopus. Uh, We've got rabbits. Uh, What else? We've got a Darth Vader teddy bear, everybody. We've got a pink, a pink monkey. We've got a dog in a dress. There's all sorts of creations going on here. That is, you can't go in there, no. We've got more pink teddy bears. We've got all sorts. Okay, what you can do is, I'm going to look after your teddy bears, if that's okay. So you can go and take a seat. Don't worry, they're not going to drown because they're in the ark, okay? So you're going to be okay. So once all the animals and uh, Noah's family were in the ark, it began to rain. And the Bible said that it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. Now I wonder, how could we simulate it raining for 40 days and for 40 nights in church? (laughs) Ah, why am I getting wet? That was not the deal when I I said that. Okay, you can stop now. We figured... Stop it. I'm soaked. I figured in this heat it was okay to get you a little bit wet. So you can thank me later. I might need a hand with this. Could you give me a hand? Is that all right? So it began to rain for 40 days and for 40 nights. And the levels of the water raised and raised and raised until the whole earth was flooded. And the ark began to float. And what happened is, is the ark floated. It stopped raining and eventually the floodwaters came back down. And what happened was, the Bible says that the ark came to rest on a place called Mount Ararat. And we're going to just stick that there. It came to rest on a place called Mount Ararat. And if we can have the map up on the screen, you'll see that Mount Ararat is back in between those two lines. It's incredible. When we look at the opening chapters, we see the, the story of, of, of God's people, of we as human beings moving eastwards. But right in those opening chapters, we see a huge core of what God's story is all about. And that is God picking up creation and bringing it back to his original plan. God takes drastic action. He says, do you know what? I do regret making them, but I love them and I want to start again. And I want, I want humans to be back in my original plan. So he takes drastic action. He picks up the entire of creation and brings it back to his original plan. You see, I love the story of God. The story of God that says, I will take drastic action so that my people can know me. You see, at the end of this story, God says, God gives a rainbow and he promises never again to flood the entire earth and wipe away humans. But as we go through the entire Bible of God's story, we see time after time after time, God does incredible things to bring his people back to him. And the most incredible thing that God does is in Jesus. You see, God becomes what he created. God humbles himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of light, humbles himself and he becomes Jesus. And he walks on the earth as a human like you or me. But the only difference is, is that Jesus doesn't sin. He doesn't get it wrong. He gets it right. And he, and he lives a perfect life. And he shows us an example of how to live our life. You see, the Bible says that when we get it wrong, when we mess up, 
when we say things that we shouldn't say, when we do things that we shouldn't do, when we think things that we shouldn't think, the punishment for that is death. And Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who didn't do any of that stuff, was put to death on a cross because he took the punishment for you and me. You see, that's a God that does drastic things. That's a God who was so desperate for us to be in relationship with him that he would humble himself, live a perfect life, and take the punishment for you and I. But if the story ends there, then it's a little bit of a sad ending. You see, the story doesn't end there. The unexpected twist in the tale is that three days later, Jesus gets up and he defeats death. He stands up on that Sunday morning and said, I've dealt with all the punishment that you deserve and I've defeated death. Now I want you to come and follow me. I want you to live in my garden. I want you to live in my original plan. I want you to come and follow me. You see, and I, I don't know how, if you're east at all of, of God's original plan, I don't know how east you are. You might think, do you know what, I'm way east. Or you might think, do you know what, this week, I might have stepped a little bit east. But the fact is, is that we keep getting it wrong. You see, after, after Noah, it comes in between Cain and the, and the Tower of Babel. You see, even after God took drastic action, people still moved east and people still got it wrong. And you know, we still get it wrong. I still get it wrong. I still mess up. I know it's hard to believe, but I still do get it wrong. But the thing is, is I come to God and I say, God, I'm sorry. I know I've messed it up. And because of Jesus, I can do that. And because of Jesus, God forgives me. And he says, come back into my original plan. And this morning, you might be hearing that unexpected tale for the first time ever. It might be that you've heard it a few times, but you think, do you know what? I need to move back west, and I need to move back into God's original plan. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if you'd like to uh, just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, I find it helps to not be distracted. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to leave a moment for you to respond to God to yourself. And you don't have to pray out loud. You can pray in your heart and in your head. God God hears that stuff. Just take a moment to consider, have I moved east of what God's original plan is? This morning you might need to take some drastic action and say, I need to rethink what I'm doing and I want to be back in God's original plan. So, Father, we thank you that you are an incredible God. We thank you that you created the heavens and the earth. Lord, I want to say I'm sorry for times when we've got it wrong. Sorry for times when we've messed up. God, would you help us to put it right? God, I thank you that you take drastic action, that you you pick us up and, and you do all that you can to bring us back to the center of your will. God, I pray for some of us this morning that that we would respond to that drastic action and we would say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. God, I thank you that you're a God that loves us and that you are desperate to be in relationship with us. Lord, I pray that as we go into some more singing, Lord, I pray that, that we will continue to respond to you. God, I thank you for the words of this next song that say, that say, Jesus saves, God, and I thank you that you save us. 
And Lord, I pray for my friends who this morning who've responded to you, God, whether, whether they're three or 83 or anything in between, God, I pray that they will begin to live lives that are at the center of your will, that are in relationship with you, that are following you. God, I thank you so much for who you are. Amen.